Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea. He's here. It's unbelievable. I don't believe it. <laughs> and running the boards is Joey D's. Wednesday. Woo! It's Yay! Wednesday, everybody. Yay! And on Wednesday, we're going to talk with a game designer whom I've uh, known for quite a long time about a robot fighting arena game. It's very exciting. You knew him like I, I've known him for a while too. I didn't know you knew him too. Yeah, how about That's that? Weird. We all do. Yeah, we all yeah. do. And uh, BJ, since you're here, we need you to talk about board games as well. Well, hello. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. You okay over there? I, I'm getting used to my new braces. Oh, yes. The braces. <laughs> oh, is Vicky, do you have braces? I got the invisible braces. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I guess that's why they're invisible. <laughs> you need braces? A little bit. Yeah. I always thought you had a really good smile. Man, I, that, that's well, not I, right. Apparently, as you get older, you know, things change and your you know teeth start moving around. Start so. getting really? hair in weird places. Yeah. They do. Oh, well. They <laughs> do end up moving, and so I'm just... Preventative, but now I got my glasses for the first time this year. I got my braces. I feel like I'm totally embracing this nerd thing. Yeah, yeah, you're getting, uh, you're going right back to junior high. Congratulations. As long as I don't break out, I'm good. <laughs> while you, well, while you <laughs> figure out those braces and get through it, we do have to talk with a very special guest. With us today is a person that I've known for a long time, played many games, most notably Magic the Gathering and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff as we were going along in our past. Mr. Paul Wade is with us because he is the designer of a deck building game called Robot Quest Arena. Paul, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm really happy to have you talk about this because, like I said, we did we have played the the, the games in the past, uh, especially with Magic the Gathering and some other deck builders. So tell us a little bit about what Robot Quest Arena is. Robot Quest Arena is a two to four player deck building game. It's uh, kind of set in this world called Rivet, which is a giant mega city. And uh, robots are a big part of life there, kind of similar to how in Pokemon, how they're just integrated into everyday life. They're walking down the street. Everyone has their own little companion robot. You know, they're selling hot dogs on the, on the corner. <laughs> uh, robots are just everywhere, right? The big kind of main attraction in this world is robot fighting. Uh, basically, the people uh, that get the most fame and glory in this world are robot fighters, and they take their bots and fight for fame and glory in the arena. And uh, the one thing I really do love about this is that when you first go to the Kickstarter, and again, you can go to kickstarter.com, just search for Robot Quest Arena, or also the links are on all of our social media as well, um, is just how how beautiful it is, how the art pops and just makes it, it brings you right into the world immediately. We're pretty fortunate uh, because we're actually uh, a mobile game studio that uh, doesn't normally make board games. This is kind of a passion project for us, but that means that we have a team of really incredible artists uh, to kind of bring this world to life. So we have James McDonald, who's been working on this world for a number of years. This is kind of his baby. Uh, and then we also have Kevin French and uh, Mike Wilcox, who are just big time industry veterans, have been doing this a long time. So they just create amazing art. I can't take credit for any of it. I have no artistic talent. <laughs> <laughs> but you have designed a game, and that's the fun part about it as well. 
Yeah, definitely. We got to play this a little bit, actually, uh, myself and Paul, uh, as I got to help test him a little bit and oh. crash some robots in a robot arena. I may have exploded a couple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joey's actually been one of uh, my main playtesters on this uh, during COVID. We haven't been able to see too many people. So uh, he's been really stepping up and uh, been helping making the game great, actually. But one of the cool parts that I really like about this game is that you think it's a deck builder, but it really plays differently once you've gotten past the buying card stage where you actually fight in an arena. Deck building is kind of the engine for the game, so it's kind of how you do everything. You know, it's very similar to Star Realms, where you have your 10-card starting deck, you draw five cards, um, you've got some kind of econ, some attack and things in there, and basically you use the cards in your hand to navigate around this grid board. Um, everyone has a cute little robot mini uh, that they use to uh, move around the board and attack each other, and then you use the cards in your hand to buy powerful upgrades and weapons from the shop that you can do even more damage with, or you can move around the board more efficiently and do all kinds of crazy things. And you did mention Star Realms, and it seems that you have a, a, a bit of a pedigree when it comes to Star Realms because people from Star Realms have uh, actually been actively participating in this game. Really fortunate there. So like I said, we're actually a mobile game company that kind of stumbled across making a board game. And we know mobile games really well, but we wanted to find a partner that knew um, board games as well as we know mobile games and could kind of bring kind of um, our polish level out to the world. And um, we ended up partnering up with Wise Wizards Games, who uh, make Star Realms and Hero Realms and the Epic Card Game. So, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better partner that understands the space. And so we've been working with Rob Doherty, who, you know, designed Star Realms. He also worked on Ascension. So, you know, this guy is kind of a legend when it comes to the deck building world. It's just been an incredible partnership, and we've really been able to elevate the game with their help. And you were talking about just kind of the Pokemon robot feel, and the game does come with its own four pre-painted minis. And I have to assume each one of these robots have their own special abilities uh, up and down because you don't necessarily want every robot to be exactly the same as you're going through all of this. Yeah, exactly. So um, each robot has its own unique thing that it does. So for instance, Pug can spawn in the middle of the board, which is great because there's this element, kind of King of the Hill element where if you stay in the board, you get victory points at the end of every turn. Um, and so, or sorry, at the start of every turn. And so that that's really powerful. You can just jump in and start getting points right away. Crate has extra hit points and can't be pushed around very easily. So they all kind of have their own style. Um, and we're going to just keep expanding that with more bots over time. And Rev, you, you spoke to it right there. This is like the hardest part of the game for me is when you're trying to pick out which one you want to start with. It's like when you're starting a game, you know, you see a little starter little guy and you're like, oh man, which one's going to call to me? I, of course, had to go with the green or blue one because those are my favorite colors. It did not help me win any of the games, I'll tell you that much, but it was a lot of fun. And what you've done with this game also is kind of amazing too because while it is a like a battle, a battle game, you're in arena, you're fighting everyone for two to four players. If you're a person who maybe you get ganged up on and you get knocked out early in that round it doesn't mean that you're out for the game yeah exactly so one thing we knew for sure uh we didn't want to have was any form of permadeath uh when i was designing the game early i was actually playing a lot of PUBG and call of duty a battle royale with joey oh, yeah. and you know there's a lot of rounds where one of us dies and we kind of sit around for 20 minutes watching our friend have fun and so it was something i definitely didn't want to have in this game uh so basically when you die uh, you sit the, uh, basically, uh, you, you remove your robot from the board, and then as soon as it's your turn again, you respawn your robot back in with full health, and you uh, and you can come back right away. Which means, you know, people can't really don't have the chance to team up on you because once you once your robot's destroyed, it's removed from the board, and they can't attack it until your next turn. So they'll go find the next uh, victim <laughs> before you spawn <laughs> back in. Oh, I've made a mistake. I've opened up the Kickstarter and I found out you can get three more robots that I haven't even played with yet. Whoa! Uh, yeah, you haven't you haven't seen that. Well, this weekend, uh, get ready, Joey. 
because we're going to be playtesting those. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm in. Yeah. So as of this recording right now, you've already funded it, I think somewhere around 1,000%. Um, so A, congratulations on that. But that just means that you guys can go above and beyond even the base game at that point. Yeah, exactly. So definitely the plan is we plan to support this game for a long, long time. Um, you know, basically similar to how they've done with Star Realms and they, uh, you know, lots of expansions and, uh, you know, possibly events and things like that. So uh, the Kickstarter has the first three expansions. So each expansion introduces a new bot with its own ability and then also uh, 20, uh, about 20 uh, new cards for the shop that introduce a new mechanic. So, for instance, uh, the, the first expansion is the Jaws expansion. It uh, brings Jaws, who's this cute little robot with, obviously, big Jaws. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> and uh, he, he introduced a new mechanic called Upgrades, which are basically cards that permanently stay out in front of you and give you bonuses for the whole game. And so, basically, with each expansion, you can expect something new, something fresh, and then eventually down the road, we'll probably do another big box expansion that brings a, a bunch of new ideas, too. So, you know, maybe another expansion with four bots, but that's all stuff. We'll, we'll see how, how the game does and we'll figure out what people want and we'll we'll try to give it to them it sounds awesome i do have a question though because as a, a man who likes to destroy bots do you have a favorite weapon to use in this game <laughs> uh well i can't talk about some of them because they haven't been spoiled yet but um i would say probably my favorite card in the base game Ah oh, man i have to think here for a second there's a, a card called laser cannon that i'm a big fan of uh, basically, it shoots everything in a big... So it's kind of like a rail gun. It shoots everything in a line. So like I said, the basically Ooh. the game's a big grid. Normally, attacks only hit one thing. But Laser Cannon can you know hit two or three bots in a row. So if you can line yourself up just right, you can just have a crazy turn with that card. That does sound pretty awesome. I mean, that's a triple kill right there if you play it right. <laughs> yeah. Assuming you're not playing teams. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you true. can play with teams too. That's even better. I mean, if you want to have, you know, one of those game nights, maybe with the uh, significant other, and you just have a couple doing that, you can have, you know, a little dinner, a little wine, and then a little robot fighting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a great night. So yeah. So basically, no matter how many players you have, there's a different game, tons of different game modes you can play. So actually, my favorite current game mode is one v one. So in that case, each player takes control of two robots each, and then they control oh. both the robots with one shared deck. So that's kind of the more, I would say, the more competitive variant you can really go, go deep on that but then there's also you can play three player you can and if you have four players you can play either uh, four player free-for-all or 2v2 teams and then once you start adding the expansion bots you can actually include more players so each expansion bot comes with a new spawn point so once you have an extra expansion you can play five if you have two expansions you can play six once you get to six robots you can do 2v2v2 teams or 3v3 there's just a ton of variety in how you can play the game right now. And I know you're making it for fun, but you did mention the competitiveness, and that also really makes sense with you as well. I've known you as a competitive gamer for quite a long time now, and I figure, yeah, you got to have a tournament mode at this point in time because eventually it's going to break down where you just have robot fighting tournaments at your house. Oh yeah, totally. So yeah, so that's one thing when we were making the game, we wanted to, you know, we, we wanted we wanted to keep the base game, you know, fairly, you know, quote unquote simple, um, where you know it could be kind of an entry level deck builder for some players, but also with kind of a lot of hidden depth for more hardcore players. Like I definitely wasn't going to design a game that I couldn't sink my teeth into, and there's a lot here. And then especially with the expansions, we're going to kind of kind of add to the complexity and kind of uh, over time, you'll see uh, it get really. Um, there's going to be a lot of depth here, but also it's as much depth as you want to engage with. So if you just want to have friends over and just smash some robots together and not think too hard, you can also do that. Yeah, that's the really cool part. There's always something to do on your turn. You don't feel like you're wasting any of your cards because you're not really building a card engine as much as you are just building ways to use your bot. Right on, right on. 
totally. And the, although the the first two expansions uh, do kind of change that up a little bit. The first expansion, like I said, is permanent upgrades, and then the second expansion introduces shield cards, which um, basically you put out in front of you. They have their own hit points. They give you some kind of temporary bonus, and then your opponents have to attack those and remove those from the you before you can take damage. So eventually, you are going to kind of start building your bot up and the expansions. But in the base game, like you said, you just kind of run around and blow stuff up and. It's a lot of fun. I sat on a hill and I shot people with a crossbow. That was my game plan. That, that, sounds, like a solid, that <laughs> yeah. sounds like a really solid game plan there. I got attacked quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, we knocked them off that hill pretty quick. <laughs> Again, you can check this out. Robot Quest Arena. It's a deck building game on Kickstarter right now. Running out of time. It's going to be fully funded, but you want to make sure and you get in so you can get those special rewards and get all that fun stuff uh, right away. Yeah, we have, um, there's definitely some Kickstarter exclusives involved. If you back at the high-tech tier at $89, there's an exclusive bot, Dozer, um, which is Expansion 3, and he introduces event cards. So when they when you flip over the top card of the shop deck and it's event card, it does something immediately. It might change the arena. It might let you do something Ooh. with your deck. Um, so a lot of craziness there. And then also, um, it, at either tier, you get access to all of our stretch goals and the Kickstarter exclusive pack, which... Like I said before, when we were designing the base game, we wanted to keep some of the stuff, you know, fairly simple, easy to understand, you know, easy rules, text, stuff like that. But the Kickstarter exclusives, we've gotten pretty wild with some of the cards and tiles. We're like, hey, this is our chance to kind of go nuts, and we're almost kind of treating it like a future site set from Magic, where here's some ideas that if people, if it resonates with people well, we might build out a whole expansion around this mechanic later. So uh, we've got some pretty zany stuff, like there's a, a, a tile that you can put on the board that's called uh, the, the Gotcha Machine, and it's kind of like a big gumball machine that you can run up to and whack, and it spits victory points all over the board that people can go <laughs> run around and grab. So just lots of crazy stuff in the Kickstarter uh, that you won't be able to get unless you back it now. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Running out of time, everyone. Make sure you get that and have fun and blow up some robots. Thank you so much, Paul, for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. Again, check out Robot Quest Arena. It's on Kickstarter. It's also on our social media. You can check that out. Looks oh, super yeah. fun. Good the, pedigree. That company, White Wizard, is they they they, they right? make some yeah yeah. And they, we've uh, talked about them, oh, yeah. especially with Star Realms and uh, their yeah. other games in the past. Hero Realms. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, good stuff. So uh, BJ, you are a bit of a board game aficionado yourself. I don't know oh, if people I don't know, know where this. You get that I have just a couple <laughs> games. A couple of games, my ass. Uh, now, what have you? Uh, what do you got for us for a review today? Well, uh, I, I've got this new game uh, that was kickstarted and, and fulfilled, and I'm hoping that you can get this. Uh, and uh, it, it's from a company called La Botteju. Uh, also, Games Unplugged LLC. You can get it, I think, from them. And I would just do a search, and hopefully, you can find it because uh, La Botteju has done some great games like Outlive and Nanatunka, and um, if for, uh, just to name a couple that they've done. And they've done one based in uh, post-apocalyptic. Japan. It's called Whoa. Daimyo, Rebirth of an Empire. And uh, this is a beautifully colorful game, uh, just wonderful artwork. And if you ordered the mini pack like I did, you've got some awesome minis that go along with this. And it basically is this. You're on the ruins of a civilization. The new Daimyo's work on the rebirth of an empire. And Daimyo is basically, you are a leader, like a governor. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, well, the time of man is gone. We blew up the planet somehow. We wrecked the joint. Uh, but there's still land available. And so archipelagos are around. And there's one uh, archipelago that uh, is basically a bunch of islands that you are, you know, six islands that you are trying to basically be the head of. You want to be the emperor of these new islands. 
And you're going to do it through a very twisted reinterpretation of Bushido, so which is an honorable path. But you know, once everybody's dead and you're you're really just fighting to stay alive, you know what? You're going to change the rules a little bit. Yeah. Um, yes. And so, popularity is what it's all about. If you can be popular in this new world uh, of what's left of civilization, that's how you will get to be the emperor of this uh, archipelago. Mm. And this is a worker placement game. It's got a beautifully colored game board. And uh, you have three types of workers that you'll place. Governors, um, shadows, which are basically assassins, and then scavengers, which are kids in baseball caps that are getting all sorts of cool relics that, well... While we were alive, we didn't think that VHS tapes were cool relics and things of that nature. But, well, they do now. They think these are very valuable now in this post-apocalyptic Japanese world. And so uh, you're going to be placing your workers, getting all sorts of resources, in, you know, and increasing your popularity. But you're also going to be placing other workers to assassinate other people's governors. Oh, while your scavengers are going to run around and collect all these different relics, and uh, you'll also be in hiring heroes to come to your aid, which is this is a deck builder, a worker placement, and set collection and area control game. Jeez. Which, this is what board games are doing right now. Um, you, what it used to be like, you'd play a game like Star Realms and go, all right, I'm feeling like I want to play a deck builder. Or you might go, you know what, I'm going to play Small World because I'm feeling like area control today. Or, uh, you know, or I feel like I'm going to play maybe like Takedo because I want to play a really fun Asian themed uh, set collection game. Mm -hmm. And then somebody said, well, what if I took all those games and threw them together? And what happens is a lot of those games like Ascension, you know, the old school deck builder, they're really replaced because you can play Ascension in the midst of playing another worker placement. So instead of Lords of Waterdeep, instead of Ascension, I'm going to play Daimyo because they have both in there. Um, and that's what this is. You're building a deck and you're placing your workers and you are collecting all sorts of different relics that you know will make up a pretty little picture that will also get you victory points at the end of the game. It's very well done. There's a lot of strategy as to when you're going to place your workers, how you place your workers and um, good player interaction. If you get the mini pack, oh, it's just gorgeous looking, the minis. But even the wooden meeples that come with the base game are pretty cool. Uh, and um, I like it a lot. We've played it a lot already, and people who have played it, uh, I taught somebody who doesn't play a lot of games, and she really dug it this weekend. Uh, wow, Daimyo nice. is it's it's worth it's worth your purchase, whether you get the base version or if you can find the minis version as well. I think you're going to like it if you liked all those other games I mentioned, and if you like Asian themes as far as like you know the way the the, the coloring is done, the painting is done. You know that this uh, oh this is a good game to get, and uh, the price. Well, I'm I'm looking over here. You can anywhere between 100 to 140 bucks, maybe yeah. 85 if you can find it. So far, it looks like eBay might be the only place, but La Bote de Joux may have it on their website as they well. They do. I, I I checked the website, and La Bote de Joux does have it on there. If you just uh, search for Dymo, you can find it. Uh, pretty easy. And they have everything from the full pack, which has the uh, the oh, core nice. game, the mini set, and the upgrade pack, to oh, yeah. just the very specific, uh, just either any one of those uh, separately. So you can get all of that right there. And you're right about the same price because they have it listed in pound or in euros. And so you got to add a little bit more when it comes down to that. But it looks like for the big thing like that, it's going to be about one fifty, and it looks beautiful. Well, did I tell you there's dice too? You roll dice in order to figure out <laughs> what so actions much, you're going to take. There's so much going on with this. There, now, it really. Is, At yeah. that point in time, though, it seems like it wouldn't necessarily be a good entry-level game, 
but you had somebody who was playing it who doesn't normally play games. Were they able to grok it pretty well? Well, I will tell you, yes. And, and this depends on how it's taught. When I teach right, games, yeah. when I know that somebody's new, I immediately go, I am not going to try to win this game. I'm going to try to make this game enjoyable. Um, and I do believe that this is this is an easy game to teach because... You know, the deck building aspect is not very difficult and the dice placement action and the work because you only got three workers. The spots are easy to see where to place everything you can place anywhere you want. So there's not, you know, like with Lords of Waterdeep, you can go, I really want to go there, but I can't. So how am I going to get that? In this game, you don't ever really get blocked out of so much, so that's cool. That is, uh, it, yeah. There's always a place to place everything, though there may be some more optimal places that you won't get, but you'll still get something. So actually, it's an easy game to teach as long as the teacher understands how to teach a game. Uh, which, of course, Rev, unfortunately, you caught me in my early days of teaching, and I I, ru- I was just talking to uh, our buddy, uh, Ryan, who works, who's uh, one of the CE, uh, CE somethings. He's one of the big guys over at AEG, and I told him the story of how I ruined Thunderque- Thunderstone for you, and he just looked at me with sad eyes. That's such a great game. Why did you do that? I go, because I was a dope. It was seven years ago. I didn't know you shouldn't it teach It was such games. a long time ago, and it's t- I still hold a grudge about that game. I know. And Through Thunderstone, no fault of its own. Oh, Thunderstone Quest is such a good game, too, and I, I feel badly that you won't ever get to experience what a wonderful game it is because of me being a bad teacher. But uh, Daimyo is a good game if you are really good at teaching people games or at least go find someone that's good at teaching people games. But it's easy to learn. It really nice. is. And easy to figure out, of course, like any game, tough to master. That's the best part, and that's the best ringing endorsement about a game. So really love that. Really excited to be able to play that. But now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. What do you got for us, Vicky? So I feel like BJ is going to feel this one the most. Uh, so I feel like for a long time, and not so much now, but for a very long time, the idea of a superhero movie, of a fantasy movie, of anything like that was just, you know, nerdy and like childish. It would have never happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Vicky, just, you're right. I was called, I, I was told, when are you going to grow up when it came to this kind of subject? Never. And so there are many of actors that were classically trained that are pheno- like these incredible beings in the world of acting. You would never assume they would lower themselves to doing a sci-fi or an action movie or a comic book movie. Uh, what do you mean, like Alec Guinness, who uh, famously uh, detested being Obi-Wan K- uh, Kenobi? Actually, he's number four on this oh, list. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most over, overqualified actors who became nerd franchise franchise. Icons. Yeah, absolutely. Because I just remember all of that, hearing all of that, being like how much he really did not like the script or anything with it. And I was just like, why? It's such a part of everybody's youth. But again, at that same point in time, he didn't know when he was making it. He just thought he was doing a movie. He's just doing his job. He was old, probably trying to keep his medical benefits going. A lot of folks act for SAG for that reason. They, They have to do a movie to keep that union thing up. Uh, and, you know, he was a fantastic actor, but of course, you know, as an old guy, probably not getting a lot of demand, maybe doing a lot of Shakespeare, but still needing the medical benefits for all I know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was vocal about how much, cra- how crappy it was. And look, in, in his defense, looking at that script, yeah, he's right. Cause yeah. Lucas can't write to save his life. Not realizing though, that what Lucas does well uh, would make that so epic. It was it was such a wonderful adventure for a young child uh, and some of us older children. <laughs> <I> <laughs> and will, adults that behave like I children. will say on this list, there were three other actors 
from Star Wars. From Star wow. Wars. So oh. overqualified actors who became icons in this geek in their Greek fra- in their nerdy uh, franchise. Are they saying like like Ian McDermott, uh, Palpatine? Yes. Okay, he yeah, is definitely. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's British. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> anybody, anybody who's British in that, because there's a lot of Brits. Uh, I, w- huh, I, I have I was, the. Four- I was like, this one's not. No, he's British. Yeah, <laughs> number twelve uh, British. Uh, yeah, Ian is number eleven. You know 11. number two, Rev. Oh, uh, you know the uh, you know the other one. Um, uh, I, let's just say um, he has a very big scene with Dark Vader in in episode one. I episode four. Excuse me. Oh, episode four. Big scene with Darth Vader. Well, like you no, know, Darth Vader was a bad guy, but he wasn't the big baddie. He wasn't uh, in charge. There is one non-British guy on this list, and he is in Star Wars. Oh, oh wow, who's that? Darth Vader, uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah, James Earl Jones. Oh. I would imagine. Yeah, yep. I was thinking of Peter Cushing, Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, is he in there? No. Yeah, Peter Cushing really doesn't. He wasn't overqualified. Maybe well, he wasn't. at least just not on this list. Wow. Well, I guess he was There's sort a of like a horror movie actor at times. Yeah. And to be honest, I couldn't. I I I knew. I th- I figured you were kind of going towards Grand Moff Tarkin, but I couldn't remember the actor. So I was like, Oh yeah. Who are you talking about? So yeah. James Earl Jones was number five. Okay. Uh, Alex Guinness is number four, and another one that you guys are missing, and I should point out that he was in another kind of geeky, nerdy franchise as well. He was in a lot of stuff. Uh-oh. That wow. should give it away. Uh-huh. Number three. Number three. Harrison Ford? No. Because I was like, no. Harrison Ford, at the time, he wasn't (laughs) overqualified at all. We we didn't know who he was. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you just Um, said it was a non Would it be Billy D. Williams? Mm -mm. Oh, wow. Because I think Billy D. was a good actor, you know, and and I felt would have been overqualified for that role. Okay. Think Uh, older. Older. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. It's Star Wars. It's uh, Christopher Lee. Yes. Oh, Christopher Lee. Count Dooku. Count Dooku, yeah. I was Saruman. just thinking. I was thinking original, like just like the original episode. So I'm gotcha. just like, I was like, Jabba? No, I don't think anyone. No. Was like <laughs> Jabba. Jabba was way overqualified. <laughs> you know, he was in Tremors. You just never saw him a lot. Oh, good. He was yeah. a big graboid. Yeah, and those are the the ones all from Star Wars. We do have a Star Trek one. Uh, Leonard oh. Nimoy. No. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. Now overqualified is this? Is this was a. Oh, was it D. Kelly? DeForest Kelly? No. <laughs> oh, they, well, well, is it a main? Oh, you don't know the main actors. I'm thinking of all the main actors on the show. Unless okay, they were okay. Guest I'm going to help you. Star Trek, but not the original. Oh, so the new ones? The uh, new. Are they say- oh, it's, oh, it's got to be Patrick Stewart. Of course. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah, yeah because he started doing like Macbeth and all that, uh, oh, yeah. all that at, stuff. At 20, Macbeth. At 25, he was accepted into the Royal Shakespeare Company. So that those aren't aware. That's a huge deal. It's a, a a real quick funny story about him because when he joined the cast, of course he was the he was the Brit and the fancy guy, and who was a real you know professional oh, trained actor. And Jonathan Frakes and Brett Spiner, they were the cut-ups, especially Jonathan Frakes. So he was pissed. He was like, this is the most unprofessional set I have ever worked on in my entire life. <laughs> and and they still said, too bad, buddy. We're having fun and we're doing what we're doing. And and Patrick has lately said, he goes, oh, I was such an ass back then. <laughs> and he's grown to, he, he, he compliments them. He said, really, I became a better actor because they got me Aww. to relax. That's awesome. And really has a lot of love for all of them. And, and of can... course, the rest of them go, my God, are you kidding me? He taught us how to be better actors. It's freaking Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and not only uh, has I he know. gone on to be on another big franchise, being an X-Men, being uh, oh, uh, yes, Professor yes. Xavier, 
Uh, he's gone on. I feel like he he doesn't take himself too seriously anymore when it comes no, yeah. to if you follow him on Instagram or Twitter, but also just some of the stuff he does. Like he is a main voice on American Dad. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, cool. He's very very cool, Patrick. Story. So then at that point, I'd have to imagine that his uh, uh, yep. essentially uh, partner in crime outside of the acting world would be Ian McKellen. Yes, I want to say that's like his platonic life mate. Yeah, Ian yeah. McKellen is number two playing Magneto. Yeah, that I gotta be. Makes what, sense. what about Gandalf? And Gandalf and Gandalf and Gandalf? Yeah. 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 The picture they used was Magneto, so that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I thought you lived at a school. Oh, you were good at that one too. Ian McKellen yeah. Oh, is I, I, I love Ian McKellen. It's an easy voice for me to do, but he's just so good. Did we say number one? We did not. Oh, <laughs> wow. We still no, have. We've, we've gone through a, a lot of them. Right. Okay, so I'm going to go run down the rest of them, and then we okay. will see if you can guess number okay. one. Okay. So number eleven was Ian McDermott. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's number, a Palpatine. Number ten, he's a baddie in uh, Avengers. Not Thanos. Oh, oh damn oh, it. Batty and Avengers. And Thor. And if Thor. that gives you a hint. And Thor. Oh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Bad- oh, no. Odin he was wasn't a bad guy. Tom Hiddleston's he- Loki. Oh, really? Tom See, Hiddleston. I didn't know much about Tom Hiddleston before this yeah, role. Yeah, I didn't oh, either. Yeah. He says, uh, he told the LA Times that he feels most alive when he's performing Shakespeare, and he's has acting blood in his blood because his mother was a casting director and a stage manager. So while he appeared in some small screen roles in his early years, he, uh, he was mostly, you know, performing on stage. Ah, uh, yeah. So. Well, I, I, I hope that a lot of these British actors can see the Shakespearean tendencies of our of our superhero stuff. Yeah, because they have you to, because really, otherwise have there tr- wouldn't be so many of them superhero <laughs> 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 movies. I mean, money's money, of course. They'll take any gig that pays them. But you know, I, I he does a great Loki, and uh, I believe it is because he just he has those chops. The next, uh, the next right. three on the list, nine, eight, seven, are all baddies in different movies. Number nine being a baddie in Harry Potter, like the baddie is the baddie. Uh, Voldemort, Rafe, oh yeah, uh, Rafe Rafe Fiennes. Fiennes. Yep. yeah, 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 Number, yeah, yeah. Yep. They yep. they thought that like okay he's a pretty serious actor. The he, only Chelsea other, College of Arts. The only movie I'd ever ever seen with him is The English Patient, patient and that's a horrible, boring movie. Mm. You should have definitely watched Made in Manhattan when he hooks up with J Lo. Oh, hmm. I hadn't that was that. the first one I ever saw with him. All right, then. So I was like, hey, it's the guy from with J Lo. So it's uh, different than uh, so is Alan Rickman on the list. Snape. Alan Rickman is number eight or eight. Yeah. Excuse me, number one. Oh, oh there we you go. You called number one. Uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. he has to be on the list then because Alan Rickman's a terrific. He was a terrific actor. He was number and eight. Galaxy my bad. Quest was... as well, which you know, two iconic characters in the world of geekdom. You know, uh, and uh, he was well, Gruber as well. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, you're right. Die, I mean, Die Hard, but that's that's the sign of a terrific actor mm-hmm. that can really like deliver on some outrageous sort of characters. And that's funny because number eight uh, was actually Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, who did he play again? Who's Charles? Tywin Lannister. Yeah, he was Tywin Lannister, oh, the yeah, guy who yeah. got crossbowed on the on the turlet. Uh, but the every time I think of him, I either think of him as Tywin Lannister, or there's a GIF video of him like dancing in a lady's like in a skirt with like heels and stuff with all these ladies. Huh. So oh, he's like yeah. all dancing goofy. He's always like, oh, this guy's a goofy guy. <laughs> I'm watching a British TV show. I don't know how old it is. I think it's relatively new. It's on Hulu. It's called Hang Ups. And uh, Tywin, you know, Charles <laughs> plays the father of the main character. And he shows up from time to time. And he's just terrific. Oh, God. Every, I look at him and I go, oh, he's just the he's perfect guy to play the father that nobody wants as a father. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Charles Dance. If you just type in Charles Dance dancing gif. There is a, a gif of him wearing a leopard prince shirt. 
Oh, that's fantastic. A red skirt, some knee-high boots and tights. <laughs> oh, and he's look wearing, at the hell. I think they're I pearl earrings. I can't really tell. You know what? This is what America's all about. But he is phenomenal. <laughs> I just yeah. love, I found it, and you uh, you can find it on YouTube by just searching for Lord Tywin Lannister shakes dead ass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's all you need. <laughs> yep. All right. That's all you need. Uh, and number seven being Jeffrey Rush in The Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, I didn't know much about him, actually. Also, Mystery Men, because oh, you would never right. expect him in that. He was, you know, the bad guy in that movie as well, Jeffrey wow. Rush. Yeah. He began his acting career in theater very young at 17, and uh, he was uh, in a theater troupe associated with the University of Queensland. Uh, yeah. But then he played uh, the uh, the Hector Barbosa in yes. Pirates of the Caribbean, which I loved. I. Don't he was good la- at it. Don't watch the last one. I mean, I kind of liked some of the things they did. I'm like, oh, that's kind of, that's clever. But I'm not watching that one again. <laughs> I will rewatch the first three, and that is it. <laughs> oh, man. You made me just think, though, you know what? I want to watch Mystery Men again because he was fantastic in that as well. Um, a lot of people in that movie. Very that underrated you go, movie, yeah. Whoa. I mean, William H. Macy's a guy you would never mm-hmm. expect in that movie. The and shoveler. So darn good. Oh, <laughs> I, I love mean, I, uh, So ahead of its time. I do love those movies when you do get an actor. Um who basically this yeah we're like wait you're in this you're a goofy guy like even patrick stewart and when i figured out that was him and family guy he was a voice of a baby girl yeah <laughs> it's like her inner thoughts and i'm just like patrick stewart or liam neeson when he was in ted and he's really good friends with seth mcfarland so he does a lot of stuff with him whether it's on family guy he voiced himself uh he's done all kinds of things so i love i love those kinds of actors that's awesome let's finish out this list Oh, that was it. Oh, that's it. Then, then perfect. Oh, you know what? Your wish come true, sir. <laughs> One more time. There we hey. go. Oh, yeah, exactly. Woo. Well, that is. It's fun to see all of those, uh, the, the actors who will play those goofy roles mm-hmm. but are absolutely 100% serious actors. Or people who just, like, act, uh, celebrities who seem like they're just super serious and stuff and you meet them and they're just goobers. Like, I mean, <laughs> the same thing about Eminem. He just has this face like, I'll kill you. Yeah. But he's just like, let's get ice cream. I want ice cream. I want ice cream. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.